Steve Vai was pretty young when he had an aha that changed his life, an epiphany that he describes in this way. At the age of five, I walked up to a piano, hit a note, and noticed to the right the notes go higher, and to the left the notes go lower. In that very moment, I had a full-on epiphany. I was flooded with the instinctual realization of how music was created and how it worked from a theoretical standpoint. The whole language of music was very obvious. I also understood immediately, instinctively, and unequivocally something that had only deepened through the years that creation of music is an infinite personal expression. I realized that I could do this. I could make music and it could be whatever I want. That account from musician's friend, American songwriter, and make weird music. Steve Vai is a three-time Grammy award-winning guitarist, composer, and producer who studied at the Berklee College of Music in Boston and went on to play with Frank Zappa, David Lee Roth, and many others. The first breakthrough we described was followed by a second, and he says, it was a year later, at the age of six, that I remember being introduced to the guitar. I saw this nine-year-old boy playing the guitar in my grade school auditorium, and that was another epiphany that I had. It was my first recognition of the instrument. When I saw that guitar and I saw this kid playing it, I knew instinctively that I was going to play the guitar someday and that it would be my instrument. Don't ask me how I knew, I just knew. As it happens, Taylor Fleming here in Lewisburg will soon tell us about a life-changing epiphany he had as a young fellow watching a video of Steve Vai playing the guitar. Fleming knew in that moment he wanted to be a musician. He didn't know why, he just knew. And he made his way, not directly, but when the time was right, to study at the Berklee College of Music, as Vi had done. While there, Fleming received the Berklee Urban Service Award. Taylor Fleming was affected fundamentally by his teenage epiphany, and he has embraced his life in music fully learning about life and music from remarkable mentors like Steve Mitchell, a drummer from Bradford County who spent much of his career as an important drummer in San Francisco. And it is no surprise that Taylor Fleming puts his musical talents at the service of the community, as well as performing and composing and teaching. Taylor Fleming is a pianist, composer, and educator who will release a new album titled A Book About Birds on September 1st, streaming. It's an EP, and we're sampling it here. On Wednesday, September 7th, the Taylor Fleming Quartet will perform at the Wise Center for the Performing Arts at Bucknell University in Lewisburg. And in anticipation of that concert, we had a chance to speak with Taylor Fleming about his musical journeying. You know, I started getting into music pretty late, maybe around 14. I think I had some preliminary guitar lessons, but I really started to kind of get more and more serious 
around 14. And it's interesting, I had fallen in love with music at some point, and it just struck me, and I, I kind of remember when this was, around 14 years old, and I remember looking at my heroes, looking at them as, as sort of deities, you know, like some, some kind of demigods that would walk among us, and they, they were not from this place, and, and they were just so talented and mystical and amazing, and the more I started to work with different mentors and learn some things, I, I started to kind of realize that my heroes were just people, and so your point about coming from a a small town like Lewisburg, it's, it's true that it's just coming from a small town, but this actually small town is, is really rich with music. It's not New Orleans, but it's been lucky to have people like Steve Mitchell, who you probably know about, one of uh, Jim Henson's inspirations for The Animal, the drummer on, on his Sesame Street and Grammy-nominated and uh, amazing musical church that basically any musician... <laughs> needed to know Steve if they were going to be a musician in the area because he just had so much to give, right? And so we have other things like the Uptown Music Collective where I went in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, that is a nonprofit music school for youth directed by Dave Brumba, who is a Berkeley alum who went to school there in the 80s, I believe. And he happened to be able to bring back a lot of what he learned to the Williamsport area and created this, this place called the Uptown Music Collective, where I was lucky enough to start going when I was, you know, roughly 16, 17. And so I just had so many great mentors and so many, uh, so much, so much great support. My mom, I remember when I was 14 years old or 15 or something like this, and I was watching a, a video of my favorite musician performing, Steve Vai, guitar player, a legendary guitar player, who's still young relatively, maybe 50s, 60s or, or something, and still amazing and has had a, a big impact on the guitar world. But as you know, I'm a pianist, but I was watching this video of him and I ran downstairs to tell my mom about it. And and to tell her, I realized in that moment that I, I wanted to be a musician. And the only thing she told me to do was, she said, well, you're going to have to practice a lot. And I I sort of was like, okay, yeah, I, I can do that. I I kind of really enjoy doing that. And the thing that is exciting is that you're someone who, yes, you're a pianist, but you learn from a guitarist just then. You had that epiphany from the guitarist and Steve Mitchell's the drummer. So you are listening all the time to all the parts and all the players. Yeah, you know, there are musicians who who sort of stay in one lane in terms of maybe jazz or maybe they only do pop. But I, I find it's really limiting to to sort of do that because there's just so much beautiful language in, in all of these different styles and all of these different approaches. And it's amazing. I'm still amazed at how differently everyone perceives music, even professionals who you would think kind of all know the same stuff. Actually, everyone seems to have different philosophies and different ways of approaching. And that's kind of the beauty of it. And, and so the more that I've been able to get different perspectives, the more I've grown as a musician. Now, you have this epiphany, you're watching a video, and you run down Mm -hmm. to mom and say, wow, you know, this is it. I found it. I know what (laughs) I want to grow up and be a musician. So what did you do from there? So like I said, relative to people who make a career out of music and and playing, I started quite late playing guitar and maybe moved to piano and and keyboards when I was about 16. So very late, you know, the the people who, who try to do things at a high level in terms of, say, figure skating or gymnastics or music or sports, it's ends up being something that you start doing at a very early age. So I had to, I felt like I had to work very hard and, and I was, I was taught how to work hard by my various mentors. And, and, and so I, I guess where I started was really when I was about 16, getting into keyboards and piano and listening to people like the Doors, Ray Manzarek, Bill Evans, uh, Miles Davis. I was really attracted to jazz. And I think maybe why I was attracted to the Doors initially is because a lot of their source material was the older stuff, the older jazz. I mean, John Densmore, the drummer of the Doors. 
and uh, Raymond Zarek, they, they were guys who had, who had studied this kind of stuff. And so I really got very interested in improvising music, which is sort of the, the basis of a lot of what I do. So you went to Uptown. Is that how you learned about Berkeley? Well, I went to Uptown when I was about 16 or so, and I had learned about Berkeley shortly before going to Uptown because that guitarist, uh, Steve Vai, that I was mentioning earlier, he had gone to Berkeley, and I kept on seeing this the name of the school that these musicians, whom I really loved, ended up going to. And it turned out, I don't know that I knew it at the time, but when I went to the Uptown Music Collective uh, and started studying with Dave, he had revealed that he was a Berkeley alumni. And um, so things started to just connect in that way, where it's, I, I really, <laughs> I didn't apply to any other schools. I kind of had my mind made up since that time I, went, I ran downstairs and told my mother about my plans. I had my mind made up that I wanted to be a musician, but all these things were pointing to me going to, to Berkeley, and, and I had gone there for a summer program when I was 18, and I just I fell in love. And, and so I did that, and, and I ended up going very late, actually. I ended up doing a lot of other things, like AmeriCorps and, and teaching and freelancing around the area, and I didn't go to Berkeley really until I was about 23 years old. So I'm 28 now. We're talking in, in August of uh, 22. I'm 28 now. So I, I only finished my, uh, my dual degree at Berkeley last year at about, yeah, 28 years old. So I'm kind of just getting out of this sort of <laughs> student life, if you know what I mean, and, and starting to try and um, make a mark and, and do several projects. My, my plan at some point in the next three years is to apply to some maybe ethnomusicology programs or maybe some performance or composition programs. I'm still looking. Going a little later allows you to be more mature as a person, so I think there's something to be said for that. That was certainly my experience. Being older and going to school, you know, I try not to give too much advice to anybody because I don't think I have the right, but I, I do have to say is, is taking a couple of years after, after going to high school, I certainly at 18 years old could not have managed to get through school, but I think that that time and the development of, of one's brain and just sort of their experience really helps them in, in, in anything they do, especially doing something like going away from their family and going to another city or town and studying uh, and working hard. I, I think it really helped me. You mentioned AmeriCorps, and we know that you were the recipient of an award at Berkeley for doing work in the community, and you've also done work in the community in Lewisburg at the Donald Heater Center. What is that part of your being that you want to do things in communities and work with people in that sense as well as just performing for them? Wow. Well, I love the question, and I appreciate you having done this homework and and, uh, knowing about these things. So I told you at some point that I took some time between high school, you know, say about five years between high school and going to college around 23. And, you know, part of the reason that I, I, I didn't go straight to school is that this time in my life were, were actually really difficult and full of a lot of adversity. And, and so at some point I had learned that being part of a community and really having the community get to know you can lead to just a lot of rewarding things to to walk around and being able to know everybody and, and sort of be understood that you're somebody who is has the best of intentions. I just don't really know what replaces having that sense of community. And so I, I had no idea that I was going to receive a reward or anything for my work in, in Boston. I was working at a boys and girls club called the West End Boys and Girls Club in the greater area of Boston in a town called Alston in, in Massachusetts. And mainly with underprivileged youth who were just full of talent, and, and working with these kids was amazing. So now I, I got to do this and to work with these kids, and it was really just fun and engaging, and that was kind of enough. And we would, we would talk about 70s 
them getting ready for auditions. We would we would work on different techniques that they were working on. You know, and this was vocalists, pianists, all kinds of different kids with different disciplines. And and that was that was kind of enough. But then at some point, I, I got nominated to get that award, and, and it was just really lovely. And so, as you said, my work with the Donald Peter Community Center, I, I used to teach over there and work with the kids over there through AmeriCorps. I did a lot of uh, service and with the Boys and Girls Club that I was working with in the Boston area. This this has started to kind of become a theme a little bit in just education and <laughs> it's just that my influences were really institutions. Steve Mitchell, you know, he was an institution. Dave Brumbaugh, he's a bit of an institution. I mean, these people have, have changed lives and have been so helpful. So I don't know that I've, I've really done any uh, life-changing things by any means, but it certainly is rewarding. And I can see the trajectory of, of how someone could build a sort of rewarding life by, by mentoring and, and helping and being part of, you know, I guess a, a greater thing, like a, like a community. Well, let's get to your mentor, Steve Mitchell, and you call him a church, which is a remarkable <laughs> choice of words to describe someone. For people who haven't had the good fortune to know about Steve Mitchell, the late Steve Mitchell, how did you encounter him? And tell us something about Steve Mitchell. Well, man, where do I start? So you can Google the guy and, and learn lots of these things about the animal and his influences there and just, you know, his work with Vince Guaraldi on, on the Peanuts soundtrack just and, and things like this. But, you know, when I call him a musical church, I used to roadie for Steve for a number of years, and actually he... He might have been one of the reasons that I fell in love with music the way that I did. Having not known Steve, I really don't know where I would have gotten such a deep and, and sort of spiritual appreciation for, for music and, and especially the type of music that he played, right? So he was a guy who had done so much studio work in California and several different places. And, and you know, he's a Pennsylvania, I believe he's from Troy, Pennsylvania, and he was, he was a Quaker. And so this guy is coming from all this experience of just living the musician's life and, and everything that that means. And he was a Quaker, so he had this incredibly sensitive spiritual side to him. And on top of that, he was so brilliant. He could talk about any subject <laughs> anybody could throw at him because he was so well-read and he was so lovely and he treated people so beautifully. And so I roadied for him for, for several years and then I would go to all his gigs and play together. And, and through all this time getting to spend with him, I mean, it was a huge privilege to be able to take this guy's drum set, pack it into my car and have him sit in the front seat and we drive off to the gig and he shares for a half hour to an hour all of these stories about the things that he's done and answers all my questions and helps me understand life and music in, in, in different ways and in better ways. And so this was kind of my, my experience with, with Steve. And, you know, I, I really wouldn't be anywhere uh, close to doing what I'm doing now without him. And where did music come from in his understanding? Was it something that was soul stuff coming out? Was he listening not just to the musicians around him, but listening deep within? Uh, the answer to that is yes. I, I would say I would say all of the above there. You know, I guess I, I did say the word church as, as him being a musical church, and he had talked to me one time about music being his religion. And I, I think that the guy just sort of in an Eastern, you asked about sort of where some of the stuff comes from, a really well-read guy and really cultured guy. I, I think part of it is like an Eastern sensibility, like a philosophy of thought in the way that music is the same as life. You know, baseball is, is the same as life. This idea that it's really not separate from everything else. It, it really all is the same. And if you can try to, be excellent in life, you'll be able to be excellent in music and vice versa. 
learn how to be excellent in music, you can learn how to be excellent in life. And I think this this is at least a bit how he looked at it, without being able to really talk to him about it now. I'd like to get into your music now. Sure. And you were good enough to share with me the EP. And I love Oiseau, the birds, and I love the concept. And it has to do with places and styles that you clearly love. But talk to us about the genesis. Where did this album begin for you? I had to, as an artist, I think you have to sort of learn how to articulate yourself because the art, I think, at times can, can sort of reveal some kind of truth. And I think that's what attracts people to art is, is sort of this inner revealing of, of your perspective, your, your, your truth. But it's really hard for people to just understand everything that you're thinking and, and trying to express with your art. So I had to start learning how to articulate this. And so I, I had to write it down. And, and, and I finally kind of was able to put it into words. So the genesis of this book about birds uh, album is, is really that I started writing pieces for and about people, places, and things. The bird names of these, these pieces ends up becoming anthropomorphic ideas for the characters that inspired me. And, and the people, the places, the things that I've written about on this EP take form of those birds. So, for example, the, the first track called Flamenco. I, I wrote that. And I, I wrote just about the whole thing within about a month living in Spain while I was studying music over there. I was doing a, a study abroad program at Berkeley and we were in Valencia, Valencia, Spain. And it was fantastic. I got to learn cajon and flamenco music from, from great teachers and I got to hear it everywhere. And, and so this, this one is just called Flamenco in, in honor of, of my time in Spain and just the things that I learned from there and the, the people that I met. It's based off a of Buleria rhythm, uh, which is a flamenco rhythm that is kind of a dramatic form. It ends flamenco gatherings generally. Uh, it's called Bulerias, and, and I, I used to call this one Dirty Buleria while I was writing it. Because it's just, I, I guess, float off the tongue. But, but Wazo, another one, right? I recorded that while I was in Spain as well. And this is probably the, one of the first pieces I, I wrote that I was, I was just so very proud of as being a, a full piece. And, Wazo, of course, you, you, your pronunciation was very good. You probably picked up his French for bird. And this was just sort of a dedication to some of my Parisian friends who I, I did not have any Parisian friends until going to Berkeley. And I ended up meeting many of them. And they taught me a lot of uh, a lot about sort of dramaticism and, and beauty and intensity. And so I just felt it was right to name this one Wazo. You have a piece that's the Spanish word for bird that's in two parts, and there's a spoken portion in part two. That's right. That's right. So this one is called Paloma, and originally it was named Pajaro because I was trying to find bird names that, that would sort of describe how I was feeling about this. But Paloma ended up being the thing that we went with because we're really kind of basing this whole piece, Paloma, this the last track of the album, on this Garcia Lorca, a very well-known Spanish poet who wrote some really beautiful stuff. I, I think that it would probably do more justice to read his works in Spanish, but I could sort of quickly, if you want, read Of Dark Doves, the piece that this tune was inspired by, the composition was inspired by. Please, would you? I, I would love to. It, it's so beautiful, and, and you can hear this on the album if you listen. It's recited by this wonderful Spanish vocalist who, who was from Madrid and was studying there. And so by Garcia Lorca, this is of the dark doves in the branches of the laurel tree i saw two dark doves one was the sun and one was the moon little neighbors i said where is my grave in my tail said the sun on my throat said the moon and i who was walking with the land around my waist saw two snow eagles 
and a naked girl. One was the other, and the girl was none. Little eagles, I said, where is my grave? In my tail, said the sun. On my throat, said the moon. In the branches of the laurel tree, I saw two naked doves. One was the other, and both were none. That, that is the conclusion. And somehow, my Spanish is it's not great. But I did get to learn a bit and was able to get myself around Spain with that. But somehow reading this, even with my, my poor Spanish, reading this in the original Spanish is somehow even more compelling. When you talk about jazz and improvisation, are you reading these words in Spanish, for example, and improvising what comes to you? How did you create the music that we hear with these words? That's a great question. So I started writing the piece, and I, I would just start writing, kind of like how any person who writes books, they just sit down and they just start writing because it's sort of their discipline, and you just kind of have to start, right? And so I would start to write these melodies, and, and whenever I'm writing a piece, I try to just let it reveal to me what the piece is actually going to be. It's kind of like that Michelangelo quote where he's trying to get the sculpture out of the lab of, of stone. And, and so I'm always trying to figure out what it is that the piece is, is trying to be. And, and this is kind of why these, these things are culminations of, of my experiences, because just being in Spain and, and hearing these things that I never heard of before, like Garcia Lorca and, and, and the different types of music like flamenco, these things start to sort of write the composition in an abstract way. So not necessarily reading the words and, and, and writing exactly based on the words, but more the feeling, more the idea, more the sort of emotional trajectory of the song. And I guess I, I don't totally know how these pieces come together, though. In the end, sometimes they just come together after hours and hours and days and days and weeks and weeks of work that are, those hours are always being influenced by, by several things. You may have heard writers that they're, they're, they're kind of always writing even while they're not writing. You've spoken in such an articulate way about what you're up to in your music, but you are playing at the Wise Center at Bucknell, and listeners will have a chance to hear you and your music firsthand and in that connection. Because you're from Lewisburg and you know the area, how would you talk about the importance of the Wise Center to all of us? <laughs> oh, man. Well, I have very good things to say. I've said this in, in, in a couple different ways with people like Steve Mitchell or Dave Brumbaugh, but without the Wise Center, I probably wouldn't have had the access to the amazing music that I've been able to hear and be inspired by. And I've met so many of my favorite, now favorite musicians from going to see them at the Wise Center. And just the fact that I'm playing there is such a huge honor. I, I feel like I might have imposter syndrome at this time. It's, it's massive because they've brought so much good interesting and diverse types of music to to an area where we have good music, but we don't have Indian dole players hanging around. We don't have the top world-class New York jazz musicians living here. We get to see all these fantastic people like the Bad Plus, Aaron Deal. I've seen so many, so many good shows there at the Weiss Center at Bucknell. And the fact that I get to be on the bill is nothing but an honor. Do you have your own working group as well as playing solo? Sure. So I'm working with several different groups right now. So the group I'm working with at the Weiss Center is a group that actually we've not really played together very much, but these are players that I trust very highly. I have two people coming in from out of town who are Berkeley friends, one named Christian Tomble, 
with the drummer. He'll be coming in from New York and from Washington. We have the bassist, Kevin Barber. And in addition to that, to complete the quartet, we also have a Lewisburg native, Ryan Flannery, playing guitar. And we, however, have been playing for 10 plus years together. And so I would say that a big chunk of what it is we'll be doing at the West Center will be a culmination of, of a lot of the stuff that we've worked on together in terms of the style, the, the improvisation, uh, the trading back and forth, uh, all these different types of things. You do teach, and you teach online, so we want to let people know that you do do that and how people can find out more about you, your music, your teaching, all of that. Well, thank you. So the majority of my, my teaching is actually done in person. I have a lot of students in the Lewisburg area and surrounding areas that come, and I'm also will be starting teaching at the Uptown Music Collective come Mondays and Tuesdays of later part of August, but in terms of studying with me, you could contact me at my website, taylorflemingmusic.com. I am able to do remote lessons, Zoom, FaceTime. I have a few students who I do this with, and it ends up working out nicely. So, yeah. Taylor Fleming, pianist, composer, and educator, who will release a new album titled A Book About Birds on September 1st, an EP we're playing here. This is the piece titled Flamenco. On Wednesday, the 7th of September, the Taylor Fleming Quartet will perform at the Y Center for the Performing Arts at Bucknell University in Lewisburg in the atrium. And our conversation was held in anticipation of that performance. We have all the details for you. It is 7.30. There are no tickets. It's a free concert. And you'll hear traditional and contemporary pieces, creative arrangements of familiar tunes from Miles Davis to Pink Floyd. And again, it's a jazz performance with the Taylor Fleming Quartet at 7.30 in the atrium of the Y Center for the Performing Arts on Wednesday, September 7th at 7.30 p.m. For more information about Taylor Fleming, taylorflemingmusic.com, taylorflemingmusic.com. And if you'd like a CD of a book about birds, that's available by checking Taylor's website, taylorflemingmusic.com. Otherwise, on September 1st, the EP, A Book About Birds, will be released streaming. The 2022-23 lineup at the Wise Center includes a wide-ranging schedule of 24 live performances, world music, classical music, Americana, roots music, modern dance, world dance, jazz, and family-friendly performances. 
and the anniversary season, 35th, will kick off this Friday, August 26th at 6 p.m. with a free concert by Global Fusion Brass Band Red Barat, and that's outside on the Wise Center Plaza. You can take along a lawn chair and a blanket, Red Barat. They're back again at the Wise Center outside on the Plaza, August 26th at 6. There is no admission charge. And then it will be Taylor Fleming and the Quartet, and that's Wednesday, September 7th at 7.30. That's free in the atrium. The performance schedule is just getting underway with those two artists or ensembles. In mid-September, the Wise Center will welcome the acclaimed contemporary dance ensemble, the Paul Taylor Dance Company. That's Friday, September 16th, and it's Bucknell's Family Weekend. Thursday the 29th, it's Toronto's original guerrilla folk party punk band, Lemon Bucket Orchestra. Thursday the 6th, music from Scotland with Julie Fowlis performing Gaelic music, and you might know her singing from theme songs to Disney Pixar's Brave. The Scottish Chamber Orchestra will be along featuring violinist Nicola Benedetti on Friday, October 14th with music by Max Brook, Felix Mendelssohn, and Anna Klein. Cuban jazz, the Cuban jazz duo of pianist Alfredo Rodriguez and percussionist Pedrito Martinez, Thursday, October 27th. This is just a sampling. The fall season will end with three-time Grammy-winning South African ensemble Soweto Gospel Choir on Thursday, December 1st. They'll be presenting a new performance titled Hope It's Been a Long Time Coming. That's just a sampling of this part of the 2022-2023 season at the Wise Center for the Performing Arts on the campus of Bucknell University in Lewisburg, marking 35 years. This is the 35th anniversary. And again, you can hear our guest today, pianist Taylor Fleming and the Taylor Fleming Quartet on Wednesday, September 7th at 7.30. Performance is free. And for more information, you can check the website bucknell.edu, bucknell.edu for information about the Wise Center. And you can also find more information about Taylor Fleming at taylorflemingmusic.com. <laughs>